Hello and welcome to the very first full episode of the Running Anthropologist podcast. I'm coming to you from my home studio here in Tampa, Florida. This is Mark Lane Holbert and hoping to bring you the exploration of running culture along with our first guest today, Olympian Jeff Galloway. So excited to have him on the program and share some of his favorite tips and running culture with you. Uh, The purpose of the program is to share all of our favorite cultural runs, insight, joys, and exploration around the globe while running. Uh, We're especially grateful to have Jeff with us in all of his experience as an Olympian and helping others to start running their first marathons, their first long races, and just to enjoy the joy of running. We hope to share that with you today and all of the possible insight that you might be able to give back to us. You're more than welcome to find us on Facebook at Running Anthropologist or Instagram. And you can also leave messages on this podcast. We're especially looking forward to if you have anyone that you think we should interview or contribute yourself a particular cultural run with pictures and advice on how to get there, how to set it up, and why it's so great. We look forward to hearing from you. And without further ado, let's invite Jeff onto the program. So, Jeff, welcome. Great to be here. <laughs> Thanks again for, uh, for joining me at, this, at the beginning inaugural podcast. Um, really excited to have you. And I, I know a lot of friends and a lot of people are excited to, to hear from you and to hear your advice about running. Um, you, you may not know this, but without you, I may never have met my wife because she, uh, you allowed her to start running and uh, get into running with uh, the Galway Method. So I, on a personal note, thank you for doing that. Well, I didn't know that, but I'm very, very honored. The whole purpose of my life, particularly my professional life, since I started coaching and opened my Fidipides running store, in 1973 was to help people improve the quality of their life and uh, I'm so glad that you two met that's what a great improvement on on life when two great people can meet and get married and have a, a wonderful child too that's so super uh, thank thank you Jeff yes our daughter Gretchen and no doubt she will be a runner as well um, we're um, I, I didn't realize you started Philippides, uh in 73 I, I know that you were on the U.S. Olympic team in 72, is that right? That is correct. Okay. Um, would you mind, um, I'm sure a lot of people are curious to know um, how you got started running and what it was like, you know, kind of being on the Olympic team and, and that and that early those early running experiences for you. Well, I would be glad to elaborate on anything, so I'll start off with the cliff notes of my story. My dad was in the Navy. Uh, I went to 13 schools my first seven years, and uh, we weren't in places where there were uh, fitness programs for kids. uh, And, in fact, I did not learn to like fitness because whenever I tried it, uh, the coaches were really tough, and it wasn't fun. It actually hurt, so I shied away from it. Fast forward to the eighth grade, my dad got out of active duty service in the Navy, and I um, went to a school that required boys to go out for strenuous athletics after school. Well, I, uh, I, I really 
hated every practice because it was so difficult. I had no skills. I was uh, the the worst on my various groups that I worked out with. And and then inadvertently during the first uh, ten weeks of school, I in class met some of the runners in my class. And they um, encouraged me to go out for winter cross country. Hmm. Well, I, I thought, that's got to hurt. But <laughs> they were funny. And, and one of the funny guys said, uh, you know, all you have to do is run about uh, 200 yards to the woods and hide out because our coach is very lenient. <laughs> uh, and so you lie to him, tell him you're going to run on the trails, and all you do is run out to the woods where the trails begin. Well, I did that for a couple of days, but um, the the kids were funny, and, and I wanted to, to run with them, and one of the older kids busted me and saw me, uh, you know, sort of hiding around there. So I joined in, and, and within uh, a week, I totally changed my life. I uh, had not had many friends over those first seven years of school because of changing schools so often and within 10 days I had really good friends trusting friends runner friends friends who support you you support them you share your your life secrets with them and and you play games and and tricks and and it, it was just a whole new life in addition to that I never had felt as good as I felt after every single run, even the really, really tough runs. Um, And the other major change was academically. I was doing terribly. I was at the bottom of my class at this extremely competitive prep school. And uh, as happens in runs, you get into arguments with uh, the others there from time to time. Sure. We certainly did that. We tested one another uh, verbally and, and logically. And I realized uh, after a couple of weeks that in these arguments, my reasoning wasn't uh, any worse than any of these others, but I was at the bottom of the class and they were at the top of the class. <laughs> so it totally reset my expectations. And sure enough, I ended up joining them on the honor roll. Wow. But, uh, I didn't show any signs of promise uh, competitively. I did not even qualify to get into the state championships in Georgia huh. until my senior year. So I was not one of these people that you'd say, oh my gosh, he's going to do great. Huh. Just the opposite. I would have been voted least likely to succeed. But I stuck with it because of the social uh, life that I had and the um, better attitude, more energy, and the sense of personal empowerment that I came away with from every single run. I went to college at a, uh, what would now be called a Division three school, no scholarships, and um, low-key athletics. Uh, but ironically, in the class behind me, uh, a fellow enrolled named Amby Perfect, and two years later, uh, Bill Rogers joined us. Wow. Yes, huh. the Bill Rogers. And, and we, we went there for the academics, um, and, and we got a, a, a great education. Um, but we also bonded together and, 
have uh, stayed in touch over the years and, and helped one another in various ways. And so that has been just, just an amazing uh, connection wow. that we had that was very ironic because there was really no emphasis in producing a high-level athletic program. Um, the next step for me was joining the Navy because that was the period and era of the draft. And my hmm. draft number was three, which meant I was going to go to Vietnam. Uh, and I preempted by joining the Navy myself. And I was in for three years um, in the combat zone for half of that. Um, but during that period, I had a lot of reflective moments about what I was going to do when I got out of the Navy sure. uh, in three years. And I came up with the conclusion that I deeply missed running because my first duty station was on a ship off the coast of Vietnam and there was uh, no chance to run except every three weeks for a day or two. Hmm. Uh, and, and it nearly drove me crazy. I couldn't believe that I had missed running so much, but I did. And so I came out of the Navy with with a goal for my running. Since the Olympics was two years later when I got out of the Navy, um, I set my mind to seeing if I could just qualify to get into the Olympic trials. Hmm. Well, I had a long way to go. I had about uh, six or seven minutes to qualify to get into the marathon trials. Okay. And I had uh, about three and a half or four minutes to get into the 10K. Uh, I whacked away at that over the next two years, and six months before the trials, I qualified in the marathon, so I knew I was huh. going to go to the trials. Great. Um, I still had not qualified for the 10K, uh, but really did want to. I, I really wanted to run in both. And um, I, Frank, my friend Frank Shorter was able to get a great deal for us to train at altitude up at Vail, Colorado for two months prior to the Olympic trials. And I took full advantage of that. I was out there for the full two months. And uh, after that, uh, and I ran no races uh, while I was training up there uh, and had no reference point as to what condition I was in. But I was able to stay up with Frank and uh, our other teammate from the Florida Track Club, Jack Batchelor, on most of the workout. So I, I felt that I was getting in much better shape. Uh, the test was uh, right after I left Vail. I drove right out to the national championships in Seattle. And that was the last opportunity before the trials to qualify for the 10K. A lot of pressure. I needed, yes, and I needed a minute and a half. Well... I ran two, a two-minute PR and, and qualified <laughs> for the, the trials. And uh, no illusions of making the team. I was uh, in the 10K. I was ranked about 12th going into it. Okay. But it was a hot day. And uh, I had been training for two years in Florida, Tallahassee. And uh, so I knew what to do, and that was to not go out too fast. Uh, hmm. So for the first four laps, I was in last place. <laughs> and then uh, the runners started coming back to me, and I uh, passed one after another and, and uh, wound up in second place, even passing my 
teammate Jack Batchelor. So Frank was first, I was second, and Jack was third. And uh, uh, at the very last few yards of the race, another runner was coming up on Jack because Jack had gone out way too fast and was uh, really slowing at the end and, and really exhausted. And right during about uh, uh, maybe 30 yards from the finish, Jack was so exhausted he was weaving. When the other runner, John Anderson, ran by him, Jack bumped John, and an official disqualified Jack. Hmm. Uh, and never seen that happen in a 10K before or after, but it happened that, that day. The significance was that I was a better marathoner, but, um, but Jack wasn't going to go uh, unless he qualified in the marathon. That year, they ran the trials exactly the way it was going to be run in Munich. So the marathon okay. was one week after the 10K. Hmm. And uh, so my mission became to pace Jack through the marathon and get him qualified for Munich. He had two things going against him. One was that he had only run about 17 miles as his longest run. <laughs> wow. And at that level, that put him at a great disadvantage. And the second one was that he, he really had a bad tendency of going out too fast, and that is what got him into trouble in the 10K. I was a pacing metronome, and so we were... We, and at mile one, we were in about 100th place. And mile five, I believe we were in 61st. And we just kept moving up. And at 21 miles, we moved into a tie for third place. Uh, ahead of us were Frank Shorter and Kenny Moore. And they ended up coming in the stadium and finishing before us. We entered the stadium, and the crowd goes wild because there are two runners running together and only one's going to be able to make the team and uh, my mission was clear i was there to help jack so ran to the finish line dropped back right at the finish and and helped jack qualify and to, to this day that's the most satisfying moment that i had in all of my competitive races wow what, what a great qualifying and beginning of olympic story um and that friendship that ability to give to another runner that that stuck with you because obviously you're still giving to others and helping them pace to achieve their best even today. Yes, it's shifted dramatically in the slow direction, but uh, the whole mission is still there. and uh, It's being expanded because we have our Galloway pacers at a lot of different marathons now. Definitely. I, I've, I've heard that um, Galloways are, are the biggest pacing, pacing group across the U.S., and I, obviously I see them all over, but um, maybe you could tell us um, a little bit about, you know, taking a step back at the broader picture. What, what kind of impact have those Galloway pacers and those Galloway uh, people in all the marathons? What have they had on the running culture or on the culture of races? Uh, how, how do you see them being a, a part of that? Well, the method of run, walk, run something that uh, has really uh, surprised all of us and how it's, it's caught hold. Uh, there's no really um, surprise when you look at the reasons behind it, and that is it saves the resources. So those who use the method compared with under the same conditions running nonstop 
the times are faster by an average of seven minutes and a half marathon, 13 minutes in a marathon. Hmm. But what's even better than that is how quick the recovery is and how strong you are at the finish line and with the ability to celebrate afterwards. So uh, the impact that people have starts with uh, joining one of our groups. Often half the people who join our groups have never used the method before, and they join the group because it's the only one that is at their pace. But um, the first surprise is that how friendly people are, because when you're taking walk breaks regularly, you reset the fatigue and the huffing and puffing so that you're able to talk with one another and get to know one another, and they're just a lot of friendships that are forged in almost every pace group in, in these races. But um, the wonderful thing about uh, the method that people tell me about is that they, they suddenly realize that by changing up the run-walk run when they need to, they gain control over their running instead of just running and running until something bad happens. Huh. So uh, we are just very pleased to provide those pace groups when we're able to do so. We we have a very small staff, so we can't go everywhere, but whenever we can, we really love doing that. Sure, and starting there in Atlanta, which is known for being a very friendly city, I feel that culture, you've kind of mentioned it briefly, but I feel that friendliness of the walk-run culture, that ability to be and stay with a group, really has, has built on uh, the culture and races so that it feels more friendly, people supporting each other rather than just out there to, you know, get their PR and beat the other, uh, the other individual all the time. Well, it's interesting. Uh, I, my whole training, academic training, was in history, and I really um, have used the research skills that I learned in my undergraduate training in history and in government to uh, look into the reasons behind the uh, structure of the body and how it responds to training. And the reality is, according to the anthropologists that study ancient man, that our ancestors didn't do very much running. I mean, they, they ran for short distances to get away from a predator or to go in on a hunt or something like that. But the main cause of death, until very recently, for humans has been starvation. So mm. uh, the ancestors didn't do a lot of running and use up their resources that were hard to get. Mm. So they walked everywhere, and they really uh, enabled us to be amazing endurance walkers, mm. to walk literally tens of thousands of miles a year, day and night, night and day. Uh, running, again, is, is something that we certainly were designed to do, uh, but not for long distances. Hmm. And when we run for long distances, we will keep adding stress to weak orthopedic links, and at some point they're going to break. Hmm. Whereas by inserting the walk breaks early and often, you have a release of that stress buildup. And if you have the right frequency and duration, of the running and the walking, uh, you can lower the chance of getting injured in running to almost zero. 
Uh, that's incredible. I've, I've never heard it quite described that way, but it, it makes complete sense. And I, well, obviously from anecdotal evidence and from all of my friends and uh, that have done the Galway method, I, I see that, you know, playing out where they're running happily and injury free, um, you know, the vast majority, majority of the time. In fact, the only injury that I have seen was someone, I think, walking in sandals, not running, you know, one of the runners in our group. So that I, I think that speaks volumes to to what it does for that many runners. Well, it's it's wonderful for me because my mission in life from the beginning of, of my coaching career, and that was mostly in my started out anyway in my store, Fidipides, uh, my mission was to help people improve the quality of their lives. And it's very, very well known now in the research that running does that. And, and hmm. it does it in several different ways better than anything else. It, it turns on brain circuits for a better attitude, for more vitality, and circuits for personal empowerment better than any other activity that's been studied. And so when you have these positive things going on, uh, you know, day after day after a run, you tend to want to keep doing it. Hmm. Yeah, much like much like in your personal story. Um, you know, one of the questions that I had down to ask you, and probably it fits in best uh, here, um, what advice would you give to a new or beginning runner who says, you know, uh, my body is not built for running, I've never been a long-distance runner, but I'd, I'd like to get healthy, I'd like to try this thing out. What, what's the best way to start? How should, how should they get started? Well, in a nutshell, uh, the beginner needs to shuffle uh, rather than bound along the road or, or whatever. So a shuffle is just uh, having a short stride with feet low to the ground and a light touch of the foot. Hmm. Uh, with those parameters, you're incurring uh, very, very little, uh, if any, pounding. And, and you also aren't using up resources very much at all especially if you shorten the amount that you're shuffling. Hmm. So starting out with a 5 to 10 second shuffle that um, is followed by a 30 to 60 second walk break, uh, almost anybody in our society can get into running and feel better as a result of, of that. And again, with almost no chance of injury. Now I know you've you've had a lot of books out recently, Jeff, and there's some I've I've read several, but some of them are really striking in the research that they combine and how it plays into modern running culture. You know how how people can really get involved and know about research that's accessible nowadays. What um what book would you recommend for someone that's really interested in you know the psychology, the neuroscience, and also wants to know a little bit more about how can I stay running until I'm, you know, if they're a runner that enjoys it, that wants to keep running as long as possible? In terms of the reasons behind motivation and uh, ways to uh, focus so that you can accomplish goals like running until you're 100, which is my goal, uh, the mental training book is the one. It's been a breakthrough book for so many people. And basically... It, um, when I was given the assignment to write that book, I, did, I, I knew mental training programs that worked for runners. 
because I'd been using them for over 40 years at that point, but I didn't really know why they worked. So I took six months out and went through the resources on how the brain operates and uh, how running uh, triggers and uh, deals with a lot of those mental issues that causes people to either be motivated or unmotivated. And what I uh, came to understand quite early is that we have two different brain operating systems. We have the ancient subconscious brain and the human conscious brain. Hmm. And uh, both of them are are quite formidable and and quite powerful. Um, But if we rely on the ancient brain for our running um, or any activity that involves an increase in stress, the ancient brain is going to monitor that stress and it's going to shut us down at some point when the stress gets to what it perceives to be uh, a borderline overload level. It always overcorrects, so it shuts you down before. The way it shuts you down is that as the stress level from not just running, but your life and, and things that you have to do after the run and all that, as all of that stress level is monitored by the ancient brain, um, it will start secreting first anxiety hormones to get us to back off so that we aren't pushing ourselves. And then if we don't do that enough and the stress goes up higher, I'm talking about stress from exertion, from heat. Uh, Once it, it goes higher than the anxiety level, then the ancient brain will secrete negative hormones that will make us absolutely miserable and are usually the cause uh, of people stopping the run and quitting when they actually could finish and and there were no uh, physical or health issues with finishing. Now, all of that said, um, you don't have to rely on the ancient brain to govern your running this other brain component, the human conscious brain, if it's in control, then it will override the ancient brain and it will allow the hormones to go away so that you don't have those anxiety and negative hormones. And your attitude then turns around and one of the other major components there is, again, you are in control. And the most powerful control element, as I mentioned, is the run, walk, run method, because you can change up the way that you do your workout. And by making the change, you empower yourself. Hmm. Uh, that's that's pretty amazing. I, I, I'm always interested in hearing about how the science of the brain, you know, relates back to running and, you know, what we've learned through study, cultural study, history, anthropology. It's um, it's impressive. And thank thank you for putting together the, that research in, in your books. And um, I hope that others will, you know, go to your website and give it a shot, especially if they're, they're interested in, in learning more about that. Um, Thank you. You're, you're welcome. Thank you. Um, remarkably, I, I know that you and your wife, uh, often traveling together um, using the Galway Method, run marathons and half marathons every week, every other week. Um, and have been doing that consistently for, you know, decades. So and um, that's definitely a testament to 
the Galway method as well. And in, in all your adventures and travel running, is, is there a place that you could recommend to listeners that you found to be really special, maybe a, a, a local race or a, a place that you go back to year after year that reveals uh, some of the local culture and the people are really welcoming and supportive of the, of the races? Sounds fantastic. It's really delightful. Uh, the other area that we like to run a lot is in Carmel, California. There are also trails there and just great vistas uh, and runs along the coast and in local parks there. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, you know, and, and, you know, there are a lot of other places. As a matter of fact, uh, my older son, Brennan, and his wife, Jenny, uh, put 9,500 miles on various cars, and 
went to various regions of the U.S., Hmm. Uh, found trails, ran on them, and took pictures of them. And uh, those are in the book, um, the uh, uh, America's Best Trails. Oh, cool! Well, that that's a great that's a great resource, America's Best Trails. Okay. It's a good guide. Well, we'll have to put a link up, um, you know, on our Facebook page and in the show notes to uh, the the local. Uh, marathon there in or a half marathon there in Atlanta and to the um, to the running camps as well as I'll, I'll try to get a, a link up to the to the trail run book that that would be neat for people to be able to find good hey, thanks for Appreciate thanks that. thanks for all those tips um, I know that um, we promised we'd be about a half hour here Jeff and I, I I've learned so much you know just in this short time with you about well, about your background and how how you got into um, the Galway method, and it's it's really inspiring for a lot of people to to know about that and to have started running with you. So we're we're really grateful to have kicked off the the episodes with uh, with, with you on the on the program. Well, Mark, I'm very pleased to help out. So uh, I'd be glad to do it again. You just let me know, and uh, I'll find a place in my schedule. Thank, thank you so much, Jeff, and I uh, look forward to talking with you again soon. Th- thank you. And thank you to all of you for turning into the podcast. And if you can, in the future, please like us on Facebook, Instagram, share us on social media, and until next time, happy running. As a side note for the end of this episode, we apologize for the mic differential with the guest today, and this will be corrected by the next episode. Thanks again.